Okay, good evening, everyone. So we are continuing Simon Sabi Aleph. We're up to Siv Gimel. Just a few things from last week. So last week we we started with the end of Peites, and we spoke about the minog, the minog that is found in many Achronim in Hilchos Pesach and also in Simon Peites, and that is not to kasher back and forth from Fleishiks to Melchiks. So we spoke about ovens and potential heterim to kasher back and forth. Just interesting. Someone asked me this morning this question. There was in a certain community, they're making a a dinner, and of course, dinners are no are no, are no longer what they used to be. You know, the big challahs and pickles and sitting by a speech. Now a dinner has to be an event, otherwise nobody's going to come. So they're having some type of pop-up pizza event, but the pizza guy doesn't have a kitchen. He just goes around in different towns bringing his ovens. So they asked if they could use a hotel kitchen, a commercial kitchen, which is dedicated as fleshics. Can they use that? They'll kosher use it for milchiks to make his pasta and his dough? Or is that a problem of kashring back and forth from milchiks to fleishiks? So it's an interesting question. They didn't really ask me. They were just telling me what was happening. There's there's two possible heterim. There might be a heter of a one-time, you know, once in a while, shas al there might be a heter. We said the whole concern was that if you end up doing this all the time, you're going to make mistakes. If you keep on kashing back and forth, you're not going to have a spreadsheet of, oh, Tuesday morning is fleshiks, Wednesday is milchiks, you're going to make a mistake. But over here, it's a one-time shot. You have mashkiach there. There's a shimer. Perhaps it will be mutter. And the second thing, and that's what we, we spoke about for a few minutes last week, and that is the hotel is not owned by a yid. It's a non-Jew. The non-Jew owns the hotel. He owns the kitchen. The yid didn't just kasher. So once it's koshered, Technically, the Kalim are kosher. The Nachri doesn't have to follow this minog of kashering back and forth. That was the debate we said amongst the kashers agencies. Can we kasher back and forth? Do we have to keep this minog found in the Chassam Seifer and others? Magan Avram brings it down. Or do we say uh, it's the Nachri's item and there'll be no need for me to uh, keep this minog? Okay, that was Simon, that was the end of Simon Petas. Last week we began Simon Sadi Aleph. As we mentioned, Simon Sadi Aleph is the first simon that we learned together that gets into the meat and potatoes of Yeridea, of Blius, of transferring of taste. So the Shulchan Aruch and Sif Aleph and Sif Beis told us two halachas. Basically two halachas based on the Mishnah and the Gemara. Number one, that if two foods touch each other and they're cold, not hot, cold foods touch each other, so you need to do hadacha, you have to wash it before eating. So if you had a piece of cheese, touched a piece of meat, as far as we've learned, as long as they're both cold, you simply need to rinse it, hadacha, and then you're allowed to consume it. The second halacha was that don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to require hadacha, unless this is the type of food that everyone always rinses beforehand. We said don't put yourself in a situation, and therefore don't take meat and cheese and put them together in the refrigerator. However, if it's wrapped in, in uh, separate compartments, that's fine and there's no concern that maybe it's going to touch each other, that's too much of a of xera. From that, we segue into a very practical question, and that is, you know, when it comes to meat and cheese touching each other, it's highly unlikely that anybody's doing that so of course you would simply rinse it off. But what people end up doing is they use non-kosher kalim for cold items. You're going to a bar, you're going to a hotel uh, lobby, you're getting a drink, that glass might have been washed in a non-kosher dishwasher or a coffee mug at work. Let's say you just want it for a cold coffee or a cold drink of water. If that mug was trafe, is there any issue of me using this for cold items? So we said we're going to summarize what we've learned. So 
there was two concerns. Concern number one is maybe it's going to absorb some taste, but that's far-fetched because it's cold. The beverage is cold, or the food item, a cookie, a cracker, you're using, a, let's say you're in a hotel somewhere, and you're using a cracker, you're eating on a plate. Uh, you know, a cut of fruit, you buy a, a con, uh, you know, continental breakfast, and they don't have any plastic plates, so you find, you know, kosher items. Or I once read about Howard Johnson ice cream stores used to have the metal spoons. This is before my time. But you take a kosher ice cream and a, and a non-kosher spoon. So really there's no concern of the absorbed taste going in. But that was concern number one. And the concern number two, the, the bigger issue, was that this might lead to using it for hot. If you're accustomed to using your mug at work for cold drinks, so at some point you're going to make a mistake and use it for... for uh, for heated, for you know, for hot, for hot soup, and then you run into a problem. So the halacha, how do we paskin? So there's really four or five rules. Four rules is what how we paskin based on the shach. The fifth one is debatable. Let's let's see the first four. It has to be clean. The the keli has to be clean. So make sure the restaurant you're eating at they clean their cups. It has to be cold, not hot. Uh, it has to be a typical food, not harif. We didn't learn what harif is. Let's assume. Uh, pickles, something in brine, maybe scotch would be a davar charif. That would be a concern. And the fourth rule, as the shach quotes from the Ramah and Simon Kofchaf it has to be derech aray, not on a permanent basis, only temporarily. What does that mean? So some learn it means only in a nachri's house, a nachri's restaurant, not your own home. You cannot, uh, let's say you have a treif keli, you cannot just leave it around and use it before you kasher it. You have to kasher it. You can't just uh, use it for cold. That's not considered aray, that's keva. Some said once every 30 days. We spoke about the Shiloh of a caterer who wants to always use non-kosher glasses. Is that considered derech aray? Maybe for the consumer it's derech aray. They go to his uh, his events once a year, but for him he's using it every night. Or does it make a difference if it's the same kalim? That's he always rents from the glass rental. He's not renting the same kalim every day. So some price, you know, that's a debate in the price game. Additionally, when it comes to glass in general, glass is a machlaikis. So some price can say, okay, Let's put together different shitas, and we could be mako. That was the fourth. Okay, so clean, cold, not a dabr kharif, and occasional use. And the fifth one was machlaikes. That was regarding kli cheres. Is cheres different, pottery different, like a mug? That was what the uh, shach brought down from some rishayinim. And others said, no, cheres has the same status as, as regular kalim. So that's the halacha. So when you're about to use a non-kosher keli, that's what you should keep in mind. Using a spoon, using a, a plate in a hotel, a glass at a bar or a non-kosher restaurant. So clean, cold, not kharif. You're doing it once in a while or at a nachri's restaurant. And l'chadchila, at least, you should avoid kli cheres. There's another question based on this, and that is to use, let's say in your own home, you have a keli, and you want to only use it for cold. Is there any issue? For example, let's say you have measuring cups. And you decide, I don't want to have fleshig measuring cups and milchig measuring cups. I barely ever use that. I'm not going to use it for hot. We're only going to use it for cold. Can I take the same measuring cup and use it for both fleshigs and milchigs, but cold? I'm only using it to measure the oil, measure, again, what exactly would be fleshig. But let's say you're measuring, uh, I don't know, you have cold soup you're measuring. So some places say it should be the same problem. However, Rabbi Forst wrote the art school book on Kashrus, and many other places, contemporary places say there's no problem because you're not dealing with fleshe keli or milcha keli. You're dealing with parv. So what's the concern in our entire, uh, you know, sugya? The concern is you might end up using it for hot, and therefore don't do it permanently, you know, right? All those different concerns. But 
what if you did indeed use it for hot? Who cares? It's a part of keli. Worst comes to worst, you didn't do anything. You didn't ruin the food. You didn't ask for the food. If you used a non-kosher mug and you put hot coffee in there, let's forget about klisheni. So then you 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 have non-kosher bleus in your mug. So don't do that. It makes sense that we only allow you to do it occasionally. But over here, let's say you had a parv measuring cup and you always kept a parv. And one day you made a mistake. You had to measure hot chalant and you measured hot chalant in your measuring cup. Big deal. Nothing happened. You didn't make the chalant usher. You have parv bleus. What is, it doesn't do anything. No problem. And therefore, halachically, there will be no problem if you want to have just one set of uh, parv measuring cups or the like. If, again, you have to wash it separately. You don't. You wouldn't uh, wash it in a fleshy dishwasher. If that's how you could uh, handle it, so then that would be okay. Okay, that was Sif Aleph and Sif Beis. Let's learn Viter, Sif Gimel. So we're in Simon Sali Aleph, Sif Gimel. So Tzarech Lizar, Shlayiga Basar Belechem. You have to be careful to make sure that Basar, the meat, should not touch bread. Shem Yiga Bai, if it touched bread, Asr La Achla Im Gvina. Now, this is the halacha that it's Asr. We saw earlier, if you're asking this question, there was a minog or there was some type of Hanhaga. To remove it from the table, that's the extra step. Here we're dealing with, you knew exactly you had a corned beef sandwich. You tasted the corned beef, you didn't like it. You, you, you take the corned beef off the sandwich. Can you now use that bread for milchiks? Absolutely not. You cannot take that bread and use it for, for cheese. The minog we brought down from the Yushalmi and from the Hagai Sashri, that was when you had bread on the table and people might have touched it with their hands. So then we said, don't, don't serve it at a milchik meal. We brought down from Rav Moshe and others that if you know nobody touched it during the meal, it's fine. We spoke about your matzah, bucket, or whatever, your crackers, by a kiddush, if people put their hands in there. So the Hanhagen would be, make sure, you, you know, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't serve it with milchot. But over here, we're dealing with, you know for sure it touched. So one should not, one should be, again, be careful, don't touch the lechem of basar. Shemiga by asul achle and gvina. Vechinizar, shliga by gvina. The same, the same thing, shemiga by asul achle and basar. Now, of course, you're allowed to have a sandwich. There's no problem if you're making yourself a meal. But there is this sarchli zar on a broader level. The Python discuss, can you have a, I just mentioned, a box of crackers. You have your uh, community crackers in your dira, in your shul, in your shtibol, where everybody knows they, they use it for fleshings, the liver and crackers. So the place can save. Since it's earmarked for a certain thing, it's not a problem. I, the kasha is, we didn't learn this together, but in Simon Sadi Zion is a famous halacha, Shavuos is coming up, that the Gemara Mpsachim says one is not allowed to make fleshig bread, you're not allowed to make milchig bread, unless one of two options, either you made it with a simon, a special sign that everybody knows that this is milchigs, a cheese pretzel or a cheese danish, or you uh, you only made it for one suda. The Ramah extends it for the entire meal, for 24 hours, for tw- the entire day, but only a small amount. You can't make milchig bread for a month. Now, over here, it sounds like these achwenim are saying there's no problem. As long as everyone knows this bucket of crackers is for liver, it's not a problem. So there's a very important chilek, and that is the isser of making bread that's milchiks or fleshiks is on the person who's making the it's it's usher to be to do the kneading that's the the, the terminology of the shulchan Aruch. you can't knead dough with milchiks because you're 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 creating a situation that's a problem here no one's deciding to make fleshic crackers it happened to be you touched the crackers with your dirty hands or you, you know you put your hands into something so that's not what we wanted to do so there's no knas on the bread, you have to throw all the bread in the garbage. There's no problem. So you're allowed to keep it. That's the difference between Tzadi Aleph Gimel and Simon Tzadi Zion.
Okay. Now, in Sif Aleph and Beis, we had a very simple solution. If it got dirty, do hadacha. Just rinse it off. So you had a piece of cheese and a piece of meat. You wash it off, and you're good to go. So why don't we say the same thing over here? So the Pesim discussed that bread, the obvious answer, and that bread is different. The nature of bread is different. And the, uh, the Pesim say it depends. If it's the type of bread that, that uh, you have a very hard crust, and you could remove whatever touched it by rinsing it off, Again, you have to think about the, if you look in, in, uh, in Hilchus Brachis, in Hilchus uh, Betzias Apas, the Pesim discussed that you want to make an incision on the bread so that when you make the bracha of Hamaitzi, there's no hefzik between the bracha and cutting. And today, you don't need to make an incision on your bread unless you're getting an old uh, baguette or something. What's the point? It doesn't help you. In fact, it makes it worse. It slows you down if you're busy looking for the, for the incision. So... You have to think about those breads. I guess they didn't have, you know, dough conditioner or uh, artificial yeast. They, I guess the, it was just a hard, uh, black, crunchy outside. So the price can say if that's the case, so you could, you know, uh, rinse it off and you would get remove any any residue. But if it goes into the soft part, then especially if it was a liquid, then it just keeps absorbing. You'd have to, uh, you know, follow the trail. And that's what we say. It's usser. But if you had, let's say you have a big, uh, big challah, and someone touched it, someone touched it with, with milchiks, and you don't want to just throw out the challah, so it depends. It depends if you, if you could uh, follow what, what happened, then you could just do, uh, you, you could scrape it off, that's what the place can say, scrape it off, and you're able to eat, to eat that challah. Okay, Sif, Sif Dalad. Now, Sif Dalad in Shulchan Aruch is another major sugya in the world of Yeridea, so I'm going to repeat this many times. Before paskning a shaila in Yeridea, one has to, you know, put the pu- pu- pieces of the puzzle together. In other halachas, not all of them, but some halachas, you know, you could, you could paskin based, you know, is the string kosher or not. When it comes to uh, Yeridea, there's so many different uh, considerations before paskning, you know, did this knife become treif? So this is one of them. We're going to touch upon some of the classic shailas in halacha. Um, Something that always comes up is drinking a coffee in a gas station. Uh, do you need to have two sinks, uh, countertops? This is not the only place where it comes up. There's different components to each shaila, but this is one of the Maramakamas. This is one of the first Maramakamas that we're going to learn together that, that discuss these in Yonim. So the Gemara in Psachim, Gemara in Psachim, when it talks about uh, roasting meat, it goes on a tangent, and many halachas of, of Basa B'chalav are found in in uh, in in uh, Psachim. So there on Daf Ayin Vav, the Gemara tells us there's four different ways. This is the Gemara that there's four different ways that food can interact with each other and cause a transfer of taste. We learned one of them so far. Well, let's see. Number one, Cham B'Cham. You have heat and heat. So you imagine you have hot milk being poured into hot meat. So that everyone agrees is a transfer of taste. And if it's milk slashes, you have Basa B'Chalav. If it was a hot uh, beef tallow, non-kosher meat going into uh, anything, you'd have a problem. So that's the first one, cham b'cham. So, so again, we have to remember that tam is ke'ikr, that the, the taste does create a problem in the world of Yeridea, in Basa B'chalav, Tarubas. And you need heat. So you have the taste transferring through heat. That's cham b'cham. What about signing the signing, cold and cold? So we said it's mutter. Now you might have to wash it depending on what it is. But cold, touching cold, is not a problem. That's, by the way, that's usually a rabbi's way out of most kitchen shilas. That uh, person dropped uh, a milchik noodle uh, in the sink or on the wrong dish. 90% of the time, it's going to be cold. What does cold mean? It doesn't mean 30 degrees. It means 
below Yatsaletis by under, we'll call it 120 degrees, under 120, that is considered soinen in halacha. That's the easy way out for many kitchen shilas that it wasn't hot. Many of the sink shilas are based on that it's not hot. Either one of two things, either the water, people people who are not using gloves, especially men who don't, uh, or other people who don't always wash dishes, they're not going to use boiling hot water. Some some people that are more experienced, they could handle the boiling hot water. But most people will not use boiling hot water. The water will potentially be under 120 degrees. So you can be washing a hot fleshic fork, uh, sorry, a fleshic fork and a milk spoon together. If the water is below 120, there's no problem. Additionally, as long as a little bit of cold water is there, again, I'm jumping ahead, that water might have a status of a klisheni because halacha is, Taisa says, that klisheni is based on defanois mekarois. The walls of the keli cool it off. So the same way walls cool off heat, cold water should cool off hot water. So that's how some of the places can say that uh, anytime a faucet's running and there's some cold water in the faucet, you know, in the feed, that's considered a klisheni. The cold water is cooling it off. Different uh, considerations there. Okay, but if we know if it's cham b'cham, everyone agrees it's a problem. Tzayinim b'tzayinim, there's no problem at all. You rinse it off, but there's no issue as far as transferring of taste. And then we have two different ones. One's called cham b'tzayinim, and the other one's called tzayinim b'cham. Meaning you have one one that's stationary, and the other one's falling into it. So the question is, which one has uh, is stronger? Is the Does the heat rise? Or does the heat go down? Now, again, this is not a scientific question. Many learn it's a science, scientific question, and, you know, heat rises. The place can debate why exactly the Gemara just didn't do a test. And I'd has this question, the Prima God, and they all ask, why didn't the Gemara just take it to the lab and figure out the transferring of taste? And everyone has their own way of dealing with it. Either it's uh, either we don't really care about the heat, we care about the transferring of taste. Maybe it's not a Hilcha Shabbos question, but it's a Blias question that at the point of contact, there's a, a small transfer of taste. Some learn that we're dealing with foods that you cannot take to the lab. There's no nachri available to taste it, and Yid can't taste it. But it's a good question. But either way, we're not dealing with a scientific question in the lab. Does heat rise? Does heat uh, go to the bottom? One of the questions, as far as halach is concerned, which one uh, do we go by? Do we go by the top one or the bottom one? What's the difference? If the bottom one's cold, I'm going to go by bottom. So that's called tata gavar. The bottom one wins. Gavar means it wins, it's stronger. And if the bottom one's cold, then we don't care that the top was hot. So if you had a boiling hot milk, pour it into a, a cold piece of meat in a 9 by 13 pan. So if tata gavar, if the bottom one is stronger and the bottom one's cold, there's no problem. If the if the ilog gavar, if the top one has strength, so then we, we care about the top. So the top is hot, it, it ruins what's going on in the bottom. The top is cold. And then, then there will be no issue because ilo gavar. So how do we pass? In this is Rav and Shmuel. So although the rule is in Shas that we passing by Rav, like Rav be when it comes to Isser. However, we passing like Shmuel in this case, as the Mefarshim explained, because there's two brises seemingly quoting Tanoim that go with that go with Shmuel, and Allah is like Shmuel that tata gavar. The bottom one wins. So to remember again, this is not the science uh, point, but to remember this, just remember heat rises. And tata gavar, that's what we pass. Can we pass that the heat goes from bottom to top? So we care about the bottom. That's what we care about. If the bottom is cold, then there should be no problem. The Gemara brings a, a brisa which seems to contradict this, and the Gemara fears us like this: that although the bottom, if the bottom one is cold, there is no issue. It's still asus kadei klipa. I'm going to give you an example, which is going to left field a little bit, but I think it's easy for us to understand. 
when we kasher our counters before Pesach, what are you kashering from? Now, unless your counters have self-heating devices, like a commercial kitchen, what are you kashering from? You're only kashering from spills. So your counter is always going to be cold. Unless you have a heated counter, it's tatogavar. Your counter is cold. A hot slice of pizza fell on top of it. Tatogavar. So we pass in like Shmuel, that there's no bleus really, except the Gemara says it does take in a klipa. A small, thin layer of blias happens. I, the tata, is gavar. The bottom one that's cold is stronger. So the Gemara uses the Lashen. bala. By the time it was cooling off, the top thing, bala, it absorbed klipa, the thinnest layer that exists. Now, how do you kosher the thinnest layer? By iroi. They're pouring hot water. That's how you kosher the thinnest layer. Okay. So just to, that was just a muscle that, that, that comes up. So... Ilo gavar means the bottom one has, has strength. We do not pass like that. We pass in tato gavar. But even if the bottom one was cold, we have a chumra adamekele bala. If the top one was hot and the bottom one's cold, there's still going to be a kde klipa, a thin layer. Klipa means a layer. If you learn the chasidish shesvar and the klipas, a layer, that's the that's what has to be kashered. Now, there's a machlekes rishayinim based on the following b'risa. The b'risa, the Gemara brings another b'risa. And the Gemara says that The Gemara brings a second brisa that goes with Shmuel, and it says that the, the, the Gemara actually switches. It starts with a brisa that talks about cheese and and meat, and then the Gemara switches to milk, cold milk, and hot meat. And it's the same case from the fact that the Gemara repeats itself. The, Rabbi Natham says the following. Rabbi Natham says that this din that we said that we care about the klipa, that's only a chumrah. What does that mean? Because if I had cold meat, sorry, I had I had hot meat landing on cold milk, right? So tatogavar, the cold milk wins, and it doesn't answer the meat. But we said you need to have you need to cut off a klipa. So fine, I'll slice off a little piece of meat that I guess the klipa, and I should slice off a little bit of milk. But you, you know, can't do that. It's impossible to do a klipa of milk, right? It just doesn't work. And the Bryce says the chalav, shari, the milk is mutter. Why is the milk mutter? I should need a klipa of milk. Now, how are you going to get a klipa of milk? I don't know. Figure it out. Think, uh, take a mathematical equation. What's the thinnest layer of milk? Let's say uh, 0 0.07 fluid ounces. What do you make up a number? And if you have shishim against it, it should work, right? The Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara says chalav shari. So Rabbeinu Tam says an important aside, this klipa business is only a chumra ba'alma. It's only a chumra when you're able to do it. When it comes to meat, so slice off a piece of meat. When it comes to milk, there's no way to take off a klipa. It's not reasonable. And therefore it's mutter. That's how Rabbeinu Tam learns it. A very important sock that this klipa business is only a chumra. So it comes out according to Rabbeinu Tam. Let's say you took this piece of meat. So you had a piece of meat, cold, a uh, hot piece of meat, fell into milk. You have to, halacha is, you ask the rabbi, he says, oh, it's cold milk, hot meat, but the hot meat fell on top, so the hot meat had to slice off a piece. Now, you took this meat, forgot to slice it off, and you threw it in the chalant. So, do I need shishim against the klipa? According to Rabbeinu Tam, no. The whole klipa business is just a chumra ba'ama. That's the psaq of Rabbeinu Tam. This is found in Taisus. The Riva, another of the Bali Taisus, he says, what are you talking about? The Gemara says he needs a klipa. So, I, why did the Gemara bring a second brisa that says chala vishari? It's a, it's a different chiddush. I would have thought if you have hot meat falling into a pot of milk. So on one hand, 
the meat is on top. So the meat is the is is the has the heat, but we don't care. Tatogavar, the bottom one wins. But at some point, the meat, depending on the uh, density, the meat is going to sink. And now you have hot meat on the bottom of the bath, on the bottom of the pot. So the hot meat is the bottom now. And we should say tatogavar, that the meat has now moved to the bottom and it's still hot. So the gemar, the prices, kamash milan, the chalav is still shari because the chalav is considered the bottom, even though at some point the meat sank to the bottom of the pot. But you still need shishim. That's the psak of the riva. Sif machlekes rishonim. How do we paskin? Let's see the shulchan So the shulchan aruch, sif dalid, basur v'chalav, roischin shnes arvu yachri of meat and chalav, not cheese, chalav. If they're hot and they both touch each other, so you have a problem, right? Now v'afilu basur tsoyin l'se chalav roiseach. Even if the meat was cold, but it fell into hot milk, so the bottom in this case is always hot. It's all aser. Why? Because the bottom one wins. Hot milk that fell on cold meat. You peel off the meat. The shah or mutter, the rest of the meat is mutter, and he doesn't say anything about the milk. Seems like the milk will not be a problem, and in fact, most most, most of the price can say there's no issue with the milk because the whole thing is just a chumrah, and you can't take a klipa of of, of milk. And if you look at the machabri, he continues. We'll, we'll skip the ramah for a second. Ba'achalav mutter kulay. Ba'achalav is mutter entirely. Now, if they're both cold, you rinse off the basar and it's mutter. So that's the machoikas found in the Rishonim. The machaber clearly passes like Rabbeinu Tam. Some of the Achorinim uh, do not agree. They see that they say that if you could at least, if it's nicker, let's say that meat in the chalant, so you should at least have shishim against it. But that's because of a different reason. Let's say you took chalant, it's just, it just based on the optics. And you have a chalant. Now, the, the history of this chalant was that the, the flanken of this chalant at some point in its life was hot and it fell into cold milk. Okay. The rabbi told me to take a klipa. I forgot. Now I put the flanken in the chalant. So now we're serving the chalant to the rabbi. He came to my house for kiddush. He says, this meat, did you, you cut the klipa? No, we didn't cut the klipa. Okay, do it now. So I cut the klipa, but I'm eating the chalant. It looks funny. So therefore, the shach says, you need to have shishim. If you have shishim, then it doesn't look funny. You have shishim against the klipa, which you probably do anyways, as long as you had uh, enough other food. So then that would be fine. But how, but from a strict halacha standpoint, he goes with Rabbeinu Tam that this whole klipa business is a chumrah. You should do it if it's be'en. It doesn't really answer anything, but if it's in another dish, you should have shishim you know, for, uh, for the optics. That's the reason why you would have shishim. Okay. That's Sif Dalad in a nutshell. We'll just talk about some of the some things that come up that you know touch upon this halacha. One example would be you have yeah uh, you have let's say let's say a coffee coffee in Starbucks. So people say Starbucks, but it doesn't make a difference. Wherever you're getting your coffee from, if you think about how a coffee machine is is uh, the way the way it's used in a typical drip machine, the one thing that that could theoretically be again, let's go back to the beginning. Coffee is kosher. Regular standard coffee is kosher. Flavored coffees need ashkacha, but let's assume flavored coffees do not ruin the kalim. The only issue regarding a kali when it comes to coffee is that it might have been washed in a non-kosher dishwasher, which it's, that itself, we'll discuss dishwashers. There's different types of dishwashers. By the way, a lot of places have uh, sinks. The sink might ha- have heat itself. It's not just uh, not just dishwasher issue. It could be a three-section sink that has an issue. The question is, those 
those uh, brew baskets that are washed in those in those uh, areas, they're going to come into contact with with the hot water, with the coffee, and you might have a shila. So if you think about it, the way the way the blio would ever come in a regular standard uh, uh, coffee is that the hot water, which is kosher, touch the coffee, that's also kosher, and that would hit the brew basket. That brew basket is cold. Even if it's not cold, it's not on the ash itself. The, the heating elements in the water. So you have hot water touching a cold brew basket. And halakhically, we hold that tatogavar. It applies even by kalim. Right? We spoke about your countertop. You, without getting again, this is just one part. This is chumra of davergush. We'll talk about soon. But let's see. You had a hot. Uh, I don't know. You had a hot soup fell onto a counter and you want to slurp it up. I don't know, whatever you want to do. Is there an issue? So he said, Tata Gavar. It don't only ask a klipa. You can't take a klipa on a liquid. It just doesn't exist. It's mutter. And therefore, in our case, assuming that's the only issue of coffee going into the brew basket, the brew basket's cold, the hot water is is uh, is hot, but it's the ilah, it's the top. It's hitting the bottom of Tata Gavar. And... It only asks the klipa that will be bottle in your coffee. There will be no issues. That's one example of this. The other example, as we mentioned, is sinks and countertops. Whenever you have spills, if the surface area is cold, so then we're always dealing with tatagavar, and the bottom, which is cold, wins that battle. So do the klipa. Let's say a person has a has a countertop which they know was used for trade. They literally went into Chipotle and they're 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 cooked. They're they're just, they decided to make their own meal on a trade countertop. A ben yoyim a tray of countertop, okay, and they drop their hot food on the counter. So if it's a solid, they would slice off kadei klipa. Well, let's say chametz, chametz on Pesach. We don't, we don't Ashkenazim. We don't rely on ena ben So let's say you took, you were grilling a steak on your, you know, uh, grill pan on chalamid, and you dropped the steak onto the counter. What's the halacha? So. Without any kulas, without any shasachak, what you would do is you would slice off a thin layer of the bottom of the roast, bottom of the steak, because kadei klipa, that's as much as it went in. So that's another another example of this. One exception, interesting exception, is what if the tata is, is cold, but it's on the fire itself? It's attached to the fire. Or, let's, let's do the other way, the other way is simpler. The, ila, the, the hot part is still connected to the fire. So where do you have this example? In a microwave. So let's say you were microwaving uh, food. The your bowl or your plate is cold. It's not getting heated up by the microwaves. The microwaves is, is, is hitting the liquids in the food and it's getting the food hot. So the food is cham. The plate is signing. So Lachaira, let's say you took a you warmed up something trafe by mistake, or used a trafe plate. Lachaira, you should say. This is tatagavar. The plate is cold. It's on the bottom. However, the place can say in this case is different because if you assume a microwave is a heat source, then the food is connected to the heat. It's al ha'esh. And something al ha'esh transfers taste even ignoring the rules of tatagavar, ilagavar. The, the entire conversation of tatagavar versus ilagavar only begins when we are dealing with it's removed from the fire. But if it's on the fire itself, then we assume there's a transfer of taste. That's uh, that's that's how Rav and Shmuel both learn the Gemara. So that would be one exception, the case of the case of microwaves. Okay, so Mr. Shem, next week we'll get into uh, you, can have, you can have a tray form and grill that only grows on the top, let's say. 
Yeah, you're like so a broiler. A broiler could have, you could have a broiler like that yeah, or something. Yeah, so then you would have, and you could, you could say, that's gone by, you're going to be, uh, Yeah, you know, at some be, point, your food's going to get you out to this by, you know, so that then it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't help. So, so we learned, we briefly learned about the transferring of taste via heat. That was ham b'cham, or ham and depending on the case. Next week, we'll learn maliach kereseach. But even if it's not hot, if you take a salty salami or beef jerky, perhaps there's also transfer of taste. There's going to be movement of tam. So we'll see. Like we, we mentioned cases of cheese touching the corned beef, but hold on. Maybe the corned beef is considered maliach, and that's also considered kereseach. Then we'll learn the halachas of kavush. So different ways taste can transfer, even if we don't have uh, the, you know, the, the typical heating element. Okay, we'll stop here.